Hey everyone, Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today we'll explore how emotions affect financial decision making and how you can make smarter financial choices for life success and holistic health. Here to help us do that is Bob Wheeler, financial expert and motivator, book author, and founder of The Money Nerve. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also, check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. Bob Wheeler, welcome to Food Experience Unplugged. Well, thanks so much, Michelle. It's great to be here. It's great to have you as one of the financial gurus of our time. And hopefully, we'll hit a few money nerves in the process of our conversation. Pun intended. You can talk about the money nerve in, in a moment. But first, will you take a moment to introduce yourself and what brought you to this point in your life and career and, you know, why, why the money nerve? Why money? Why finance? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a CPA and I got into accounting uh, originally just because it was great uh, for my grade point average. I was actually on track for law school and accounting was an easy A. And after I got through <laughs> undergrad, I decided... I didn't like some of the lawyers that I met and accounting seemed like the perfect track because it was something that just felt easy. So I got into accounting and at some point I also got into stand-up comedy. And so a lot of my friends were artists and creative folks and struggling with money. And I was a CPA who by you know professional standards should have been doing a really great job and I wasn't financially. And so I had to start looking at what was my personal self-sabotage. And as I started meeting with clients, it also turned into therapy sessions. People were sharing with me very personal stories that they didn't feel comfortable telling other people. And, and so I started to see this correlation between making financial decisions and their emotional makeup. Uh, they might have beliefs or self-sabotage. And so I got really curious about that because I would see people make very unlogical decisions, ir you know, illogical decisions about uh financial choices. And, and so I, then I also started doing uh, core energetics, radical aliveness, which is somatic body-based therapy. And I got uh, certified in that and started bringing in this, you know, the therapy component uh, to all of this. I was sitting with a friend one day who was crying because all of her brothers and sisters were doctors and she was a comic. And she said, oh my God, I didn't get the download. I said, you're not the only person that doesn't know how to handle their finances. It's all the stuff that's going on unconsciously. And that was the impetus to write a book and really get people talking about money. My whole goal was to start conversations to help remove the stigma of shame around money and to help people know that they're not the only ones that don't get the financial downloads. Mm, okay. Wow. A lot to delve into. <laughs> I love that. Wow. And just, you know, just hitting the money nerve because a lot of times money is just has a negative stigma or, you know, it really, really shoots off a lot of emotions, so to speak. But maybe now what is that relationship between you said emotions drive a lot of your financial decision making? Could you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we're little, we're absorbing all kinds of things. And 
we're watching mom and dad fight about money. We're asking if uh, Santa Claus can bring us the biggest toys and we're either getting support or we're getting shamed or we're told that we're selfish or that we don't deserve it. And we start making all of these assumptions at an early age, four five and six, that we then use as a basis for all our decisions as we go into adulthood. And so if we don't start to get aware of those decisions that we made at five or six, we can't we're going to be we're going to be working from those assumptions and those beliefs and the more we can get conscious the more we can get intentional about how we want our life to be going forward relative to finance health all of those things mm, okay so is it a matter of just kind of resolving things that have happened in the past to to move forward a little bit it it may not be resolving because sometimes you may not resolve it you know there are certain things that i get triggered and it makes me angry but at least if I know I'm going to get angry in a certain situation, I can mitigate it. I can find support. I can come at it from a different angle. But getting really conscious of our history, of what we're taught in school, what we might be taught in our, uh, if we grew up in a religious community or a certain ethnicity, there might have been certain beliefs around money. And be, or even in culturally in like the U.S., it's like me, 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 me. But in, uh, you know, in more collective cultures where it's what's important for the group, it may seem selfish to go me, 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 me. And so we're socialized differently. There's so many different components that go into our makeup of how we reach our conclusions about money and belief systems. Mm, okay. Now, is that where financial therapy comes in? It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I can be, I've, I've worked with people with zero dollars and millions of dollars and, and the struggles are still the same, regardless of the amounts of money. And what I find is when people are still making choices that don't seem to serve them and they come to me and say, I can't seem to get out of this pattern, this cycle. That's when we jump in and we start looking at history and we start doing therapy. Um, we start checking out what's going on in our bodies, hence the money nerve, right? When we win the lottery, we get super excited. When we bounce a check or we get a, a sick feeling in our stomach and, and, and it's very, uh, you know, it's very physical. And so as we can start to go in and start looking at what did my mom and dad teach me? What did they not say that I picked up on and really start to look at all that so that we can then start to say, how are the choices that I make now in alignment and integrity, integrity with what I say I want? Mm, okay. So just kind of result, not, well, not resolving, but, <laughs> awareness, <laughs> but awareness. really taking those things into account and Absolutely. then going forward with whatever financial goals you have in mind, essentially. Absolutely. It's about getting conscious, about getting conscious and intentional. Mm. Okay. Excellent. I love that. I love just really reflecting on, you know, on the past, on what you want, and then kind of making decisions based on that disparity, so to speak, of what you want and what your current situation is. Absolutely. And when I do this work, I really encourage people to get really curious and to really suspend judgment. We're so quick to judge ourselves for not doing it right or not being enough or not being smart enough. And if we could just sit back and say, wow, isn't it interesting? I really love not saving money. <laughs> isn't it interesting? <laughs> I always say I want to take a vacation and I never make it happen. Wow, that's interesting. And let me get really curious about that. Mm, okay. Now, now, speaking of curiosity, you have an experience that happened in Africa that changed your ideas about money. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like many people, I was socialized to believe that I am my achievements. And so the more things that I have and the more A's that I have and the more honors 
and accomplishments, then the more value I bring. Mm. And so I went to Africa and I was in Tanzania. And at the time, the average income was about $100 a year per person. Not a lot of money. And what I noticed was these people were incredibly happy. Uh, The people would say, oh, if you had a good experience, tell all your friends to come from America and come to Tanzania and and come visit our country. They were so happy and grateful and a real sense of community. And I just kept looking around thinking, you're not driving nice cars. You're not living in nice houses. You don't have running water. Uh, Why are you so happy? (laughs) This doesn't make sense. Like, I'm only happy if I'm driving a fancy car or, or I've got this much money in the bank. And it really messed with my mind. And, and when I came back, I really did a lot of reflecting. And what it really taught me was that if we can come from a place of gratitude and, and maybe a little more humble uh, and, and just a real appreciation for what I do have instead of figuring out what I don't have and how I could posture to have even more. And I think one of the things that in this country as a first world country, we have the ability to use money to separate from our problems. We can move to another neighborhood, we can pay people off, and then we don't have to be in community. And in developing countries, those folks have to rely on each other. They have to learn to get along. They have to work it out. And they just come from a a place just of such gratitude and such community. And and it really was a life-changing experience for me. Uh, it It was a beautiful thing to be able to look and say, wow, I could certainly use a lot more gratitude and I could certainly be a lot more humble. Mm, interesting. I love that. I love just their, their, um, I guess, mentality, so to speak, about money. For them, it's not a quantity of money, but it's what it means and the the external and internal, probably, happiness or other other things that, that come along with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I was just in Zimbabwe um, a couple of years ago. Um, at a rhino sanctuary, of course, and uh, on, a, on a, a volunteer vacation. And I said to one of the guys who was this amazing guy, he actually has just started a fish farm and, and he's doing all these things. And I said to him, uh, if you were to get like $5 million, what would you do? Would you like move away? And he said, no, this is my home. I would buy five or six buses so the kids could get to school and I'd buy some of some housing so I could get some rental income. But this is my home. I, I don't need to go anywhere else, regardless of the amount of money. And, and so it just reinforced that piece about uh, money doesn't mean like, oh, now I do all these other things. It still just gives me a, a different quality of life. But uh, I still keep my grounded to my values. Mm, okay. So they kind of tie in their values with money and with you know, their relationships with it and with, with other people then. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a few people that would be happy to take advantage of the system and all those kinds of things, right? But but in general, uh, it was just an amazing appreciation for life and such gratitude that really just keeps being reinforced every time I go there. Mm, okay. So that kind of beckons the question, what is a healthy relationship with money? Yeah, so for me, a healthy relationship with money is actually being happy with what I have. And, and not actually looking at all the things that I don't have. Instead of saying, oh my God, I don't have the newest car and I don't have this. Wow, I've got a roof over my head. I've got food to eat. Um, I've got great friends. I've got amazing experiences. I've traveled. And, and for me, it's not about how many dollars I have in my bank account, but it's how I manage the dollars that I do have so that I don't look at budgeting as restrictive or terrible. I look at budgeting as informational and then it helps me make choices. So just learning to actually say, I- I've got enough. 
Like I, my life is abundant. And I think we so often in this country miss the opportunities to see all of the abundance that we do have. And I think COVID has certainly helped us reflect on family and slow down and look at the things that we do have. Mm, okay. So now where does that tie in? Because they, in finance, in the finance world, you're talking, you'll often talk about, you know, here, here's what I'm doing in the short term, but then, you know, down the road, here's what I need to have happen in the, the long term in order to, to still be able to, to have the, the resources I need. Can you talk about that and what's that, uh, I guess, the journey from point A to point B, so to speak? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting. So a lot of people will say, I want to have a lot of money for retirement. I want to be able to maintain my lifestyle. And then in the short term, they might be spending $800 on a car lease. They might be spending $5,000 on vacation travel, or they might be spending, I, I have clients that spend $100,000 on clothes, um, and, and, which is great, more power to them. But then they sit and say, gee, I don't have any money in my savings account. So it's about starting to look at what do I say that I want? And then as I'm making choices, when I spend this money, does this spending serve my life goal? Does it serve what I say my values are? Does it, is it, so when I'm saying, oh, I have to have the newest uh, smartphone, um, do I really? Do I need to go out and spend that money? Or could I take that extra money and put it in my savings account or to put it towards a college education fund for my children? And, and really starting to make conscious decisions so that even if I start saving five bucks a week, now, then I can learn the habit of bumping that up to 50 bucks. And so trying to create healthy habits so that over the long run, I start reinforcing the things that I say that I want. Mm, Okay. So it's just kind of, it just like what you were saying earlier, managing that money. So then those habits can keep going through to, to any long-term goals that you may have. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's about mindset. And so I think of it like, uh, a mental map, right? We're, we're, we have this map that's driving us or this GPS that's been set and we think we're going the right way, but if we're not constantly checking in to make sure, did we plug in the right address? Uh, did we, uh, are we going by car or are we going by airplane? Like, how are we getting there? And, and so we have to just keep looking at our map and checking in because otherwise unconsciously it's saying, take the freeway instead of the side street. Even if the freeway sign says accident ahead, right? We're like, no, 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 I have to go this way. And learning to stop and say, wait a minute, what's the best path for me uh, financially? And mm. what are the words and the mindset that I'm, that I'm bringing to the table? Mm, interesting. I love that, that focus on mindset and how you view money and, and so forth. Now, in your experience, what um, do you feel is that relationship between money and holistic health? Well, it's interesting if you look at uh, history, in, the, in, in some cultures, being overweight was considered a sign of wealth, was a sign of, of, of good health and good eating. Um, in current culture, uh, if, you're, if you don't have a lot of money, the food that you have accessible is full of sugar, it's not healthy, it, it, it's, it's like you don't have as many choices. And so for me, if I'm trying to look at a holistic uh, picture in terms of my finances, if I can actually budget the money to eat well, to exercise, to take care of all the components, because I think all of those things help us uh, have a more fulfilling life. If I am exercising, I feel confident and good when I show up in the morning versus if I've been eating tons of pizza and bags of candy and I'm feeling, uh, um, and then I don't feel good about myself. And, and the more that I can make choices 
financially that serve each of those places so that I'm eating healthy and I'm, that I'm just taking care of myself to the best of my ability and to the best of my budget. Mm, okay. Interesting point. I like that with just getting, gaining a handle on your finances to begin with and then focusing on those different areas. I like that. Very so now what um, you've worked with, with so many people over the years. Mm-hmm. Now, will you give us some examples of those who have really made healthy financial choices and what were, what were some of the, the driving forces, I guess, in their decision making? Yeah, well, you know, I have a, I have a friend right now who's a, uh, and a client who's an actress and grew up very poor, did not have, you know, had a lot of financial struggles. and. They had a very strong belief. I'm going to make it. This is this is my calling, and I'm going to stay with it. And so, even though there were very many setbacks, some health issues, near near death experiences, all this stuff, but still believing and trusting that that this was her path. A couple of years ago, she got booked for a TV series, and they got booked for another TV series, and all of a sudden the money started coming in. And so she called me and said, "What am I going to do?" And I said, "All right." We're going to set up a budget. And we just sat down and we went through everything. We talked about what she could live with comfortably instead of going out and getting a two-bedroom apartment or buying a nice car. I said, let's, no, 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 no. Let's keep living the life you're living. Let's just enhance it. And let's put all the rest of the money away and, 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 and plan for the future. And so what she's been able to do is now she's about ready to buy a house. She's about ready to have a baby. And all these things have been put in place because she kept living her same lifestyle even though now there's a few extra hundred thousand dollars coming in each year, she doesn't look at that and go, look, I've got all this money to spend. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep living my life. And I've had a couple of clients like that. I had another client who the first year he had this huge success. I went, uh, there's an extra million dollars of income in your bank. And he went, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I should have told you. I, what I did was I, I got this gig and I'm probably going to make a million dollars for the next five years, but I've just pretended it doesn't exist. And so mm-hmm. I'm still living in my one bedroom apartment doing my thing. And so it's, it's about focusing on the long-term goal, keeping your eye on the prize and not getting uh, sidetracked with, Oh, I can just go and blow a whole bunch of money. Cause I have it. And, and really just stick into the plan. Um, and again, these are people that didn't have a lot of money, but when it came, they didn't change the basics of who they were. They just stayed grounded and focused and knew that this was an opportunity to get ahead instead of let me just indulge myself for as long as I can. Mm, Okay. I love the contrast between your two examples because for with the actress, she had, okay, wow, I've got, I want to spend this money. Now I've got it. I want to get all the fancy things versus the other one. He had it, but he decided to put it out of view, so to speak. That's right. Out of, out of, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure, definitely. Now, why that kind of brings a good question is why the, you know, okay, I have money so that why did you feel driven to spend it somehow? Well, you know, there's a great study called the Stanford Marshmallow Study. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically it talks about delayed gratification versus got to have it now. And what they found was that the children that could learn to delay gratification to get the extra couple marshmallows, they followed them throughout their life and found that they had a lot more success than the people who needed to have immediate, you know, immediate gratification. And I think our advertising, our socialization tells us spend, 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 you deserve it, pay for it later. Why should you wait? And so there's a lot of pressure 
to keep up with the Joneses or indulge in the moment because, yeah, that's down the line. We'll deal with that later. And, and so I, I think there is a lot of pressure to, well, my friends are buying nice cars. Oh, I better not buy a nice car too, or I won't be friends with them. Or, oh, I have to travel to Europe just like my other friends. And so there's this, this competition that's unconscious, uh, probably more so with men, but that, oh, I got I to gotta show up in a way that, that indicates huge success. Mm, interesting how how social pressures can influence you and then it turns you know if you give in to those social pressures i guess you're you're moving toward the unhealthy relationship with money yeah absolutely and it's i look I, i'm guilty you know sometimes life is going really well and all of a sudden i'm very entitled give me what i want right now <laughs> i've worked so hard um and 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 then i and and when I get very me self-focused, I sort of lose sight of things and I have to stop, take a breath and go, whoa, calm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get back into some gratitude and let's get back into like, what are we here for? Um, but, but it's easy to get pulled into that because the media and everything just tells us, even on you know, Facebook, social media, you see pictures of people living perfect lives and it's just a snapshot, right? We don't see what's below the waist. We don't see what what happened before the event or after the event. We just see that one moment and then we make a snap decision. They live a perfect life. Mm, okay. And just looking, I guess, beyond that surface, you really need to, that, that kind of brings back the reflection, I guess, on, Absolutely. on what, what money means to you. Absolutely. And then having the willingness, I, I have a friend who she was, you know, her money was tight. And she was trying to make very good decisions that helped her. And her friends would all be out, let's have another drink. And she would actually say, well, my budget uh, is this much. And I've already bought two drinks and I'm going to call it a night. And, and being able to be okay with, yeah, I'm actually not going to indulge any further because it's, it's beyond my financial capability right now or what I'm comfortable with. Mm, okay. And in, in that sense, you as as that person, you know, decided, okay, here's my budget, they can actually be an influence for good with the, their friends or the, those whom with whom they associate. Absolutely. Well, what's amazing is when, when you're the first one to dip your toe in the pool, uh, other people might follow example and say, oh my gosh, I couldn't afford to have another drink either. Or I can't afford that trip either. Thank you for speaking up. I was afraid. And so what that does is empowers other people to say, yeah, that actually doesn't work for me either. Nobody wants to be that first person or be the target or the, or the party pooper that says, yeah, that's not, it's not my cup of tea. Mm. So with the, the people you've worked with, does put, you know, dipping your toe in the pool and really, really standing out is, was that uncomfortable for them at first? Yes. It's, it's always, un, it's, it's often uncomfortable. I know for myself, even when I work with groups, I'll get up and say, here's where I made mistakes. Here's what I did wrong. I'm not coming to you because I did everything right. I'm coming to you because I have a lot of experience of how not to do it. And, you know, and initially it was like, oh, and I've had other professionals say, don't tell people your mistakes. I'm like, but that's, that's what's relatable. And I'm not above anybody else with all of that. And so the more I can get comfortable with saying, I made a mistake, I, I misjudged, uh, but I can stand here and I can correct it and I can move forward. I think that gives other people permission to step up and say, yeah, that's not working for me or that's out of my financial reach right now, without mm -hmm. shame. Sure, absolutely. So that when they come to you, they're, they're kind of already on that, I guess, brink of shame or brink of, uh, I guess, maybe financial insecurity or, or some other thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So many people have self-judgment about the way they handle finances and their self-worth. Like, I don't deserve it. There's other people that deserve it more. And, and once we can start to just bring all that to consciousness and, and be okay with it and say, mm-hmm. okay. And then there are places where, like even myself, there are places where I self-sabotage sometimes and I go, oh, there's that, that, there's that piece again. And instead of making myself bad, I just say, that's just a component of me. And so I want to bring all that shadow stuff into the light instead of trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm, Okay. So just kind of learning from your experiences, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and knowing that sometimes you make choices, it doesn't mean that you as a whole person are bad or wrong or undeserving. It's just in that moment, I made a bad choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So speaking of choices, for those who may be on, on different ends of the financial spectrum, but what are some, some steps to begin that, what you call the, the financial therapy? Like, how do you get started in that? Uh, so the first thing I always do with people is, well, the first thing I do is I ask people, are you willing to be uncomfortable? And are you willing to do the work? And sometimes people will say, no, I'm not. And I'll say, okay, well, we're done. Because <laughs> <laughs> Can't really go anywhere if you're not willing. And then what I do is I actually get people to start to look back, journal about uh, family history, certain experiences as a child where money or numbers came up. And then we start digging into what are the emotional uh, experiences that I have around money? Do I get really fearful? Do I get anxiety? Do I feel really confident or appreciative? And then I start looking at the fears. Am I, you know, Am I afraid to succeed, which is is a a huge fear for a lot of people. More people are afraid of succeeding than failing. And, you know, oh, I'm getting too visible. People can see me. And so we start just looking at all those places of where have I been self-sabotaging? What are my belief systems? And then just, and and I do a lot of, when in workshops, we do a lot of uh, experiential um, uh, exercises so that people can actually feel it viscerally and, Mm -hmm. and really just start to really be open and hold a space. And I think that's, for me, the most important thing is holding the space to get really curious about the places where we've self-sabotaged. Mm, okay. So just, I guess, identifying those things that have happened in the past. And, yeah. Okay. And then once you have those, you can replace them with healthy alternatives so that, you know, for a lot of people, and I'm a real stickler for words and being specific. So if somebody's saying to me, I really want to be uh, financially wealthy, uh, but I'm terrible at numbers, or I'm 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 just not informed. Okay, I want to be wealthy, and I'm learning how to do it differently than the past. So I I try to find these bridges that can let us be in the reality that we're currently in, and then moving towards something more towards what we say we want. Mm, okay, so essentially having a willingness to learn is really the the key to to moving forward. Absolutely, I, I believe that if we want to move forward in life, we have to have a willingness to be changed. Mm, okay. Now you mentioned um, more people have fear of success than fear of failure. Can you tell yeah. me about that for a minute? Yeah, so there's a lot of different studies that have been done. The uh, imposter syndrome uh, oh. where, you know, oh, I don't deserve to be here. Uh, there's other people that are more successful. Um, and uh, the thing is that I also find in workshops, and I know it was true for me when I was first doing the work, people say, step up into your leadership, step up and be big. But they didn't tell me that People might judge me. People might come at me. People not, might not support me. And to be realistic and understand that if I'm going to step up and step out, I might have some haters. I might have some people that don't support me. Do it anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> do it anyway. And I think that was, for me, I wish somebody had told me that. Like, it won't be easy. 
there's a reason that not everybody succeeds. Uh, there is going to be pushback, but that's okay. Um, it's okay to be successful and it's okay for other be- people to be successful. It's not like winner takes all. I think there's room for everybody to be winners. Um, and, and I, but I know people, I've had clients that got promoted to a job that required them speaking um, to management. They got another, they quit and got another job because they just had this fear of, I don't want to speak in front of other people. Uh, I might do it wrong. And for me, I've learned, yeah, sometimes I'm going to do it wrong. I'll, I'll step up and maybe I misspeak or, or, or make an error, but I can correct it and it's not going to take me out. And I think for people to feel comfortable with their success, know that they did the work, they've got the experience, and there's nothing wrong with being successful. Mm, okay. So essentially the, uh, the details are, are what kind of drove them away from success? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because, you know, it, this happens with a lot of actors and they get into, and, and sports figures that end up getting into drugs and alcohol. They, they can't believe their good fortune. You know, how did I get this TV role? How did I get this uh, sports contract? There's so many other people that are much better than me. So maybe I shouldn't be here. So let me sabotage that because I feel guilty. Instead of saying, wow, this is awesome. This is what I wanted. (laughs) We punish ourselves when we get what we want. It's it's interesting. Sure. Absolutely. Wow. And just, I guess, having, going back to those details and having that that mindset. Now, how do you, um, when, when they kind of realize the, I guess, enormity of the, the promotion they got or, or the acting position, how do you help them resolve that so that they don't have a fear of success and just, you know, change jobs or, or do something else? So a lot of times I'll work with people on mantras, um, affirmations of, I deserve this, I welcome it, I've worked hard for this. I don't have to apologize. And and to really try and cultivate gratitude for the successes instead of, oh my God, now I have to do this. And now they're going to have to, now I have to work harder. And, and instead of setting up this false self-expectation that now I must follow an exact track or I'm going to fall from grace to just keep being able to say, yeah, I'm just going to keep showing up. And yeah, it, it, affirmations are, are, and, and mantras it's so important, I think, in, in really helping us stay grounded. Mm, okay. Are there some examples in, in the finance world of, of mantras or things of that nature that you're talking about? Well, you know, like a lot of my, my clients and myself, you know, I, there are just mantras that you can Google. Uh, they're out there, but just mantras of um, I allow myself to accumulate money and wealth. Um, I allow myself to receive success. I allow money to flow into my bank accounts. Um, and you know, when I first wanted to make this shift because I was spending more than I was earning and I was doing really well, but I was spending a whole lot more based on a belief that I had, um, I got 30, 40 financial books. Not, did I read every one of them? No, but I had them on both sides of my bed and everywhere I would go, oh, that's right. I need to be looking at my money stuff. I'm, I've been self-sabotaging. And I just kept surrounding, sort of obsessing with things so that I could really start to have that shift and realize there are lots of other people out there that are doing well financially and making great conscious choices, let me learn from them. Uh, I'm open. Like, I don't know it all. And, and so there are lots of uh, meditations out there around money uh, and, and, and just really getting spiritually centered, grounded um, around all of that because money is also an opportunity to help be of service. Like for me, money gives me opportunity to, to pay it forward instead of just for me to hoard it. 
Mm, good point. Now, are, are there some other, besides your own paying it forward, are there people with whom you've worked that uh, that have that, that have developed that mindset and, and are able to, to see to pay it forward? Yeah, I, you know, I think my experience has been that all of us want to deep down even the what somebody might consider the worst human being. I think deep down, we all want to have an impact to leave the world a better place. I think we all have a deep desire to be in connection and be in community. And I think we all deeply, we do, we want to have impact and we want to matter. And so part of that is being able to see the bigger picture outside of myself. And I would say all of my clients that I work with and so many other people uh, have that mindset of, now that I have this abundance, how do I share that with others and how do I pay it forward? Um, I think it comes with cultivating intentionality and figuring out what we want our, our, our life goals and what we want our footprint to be. And, and that, that just naturally becomes a component of it. Mm, yes. And just kind of reflecting, you see a lot of, you know, sports figures or, or different, different personalities who have created foundations or, or give to different charities and just how has that, as you've seen that that type of, of activity in your work, how has that fed their own relationship with money? Well, one of the things that I've heard often from people that have started paying it forward, they say that they get it back tenfold. That mm-hmm. when they give money or they give their time and, and resources that it comes back tenfold and, and that even though it didn't seem logical that they found that the more they would help other people, uh, the more abundant uh, things were for them. Mm, okay. Interesting. I love that because they're, you know, it kind of, it's, there's a reciprocity going on essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Uh, universal karma or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I do, I, I do. I hear that from people that said it made no sense, but I went, I had this amount of money and I'm, Given ten percent to this charity, or I'm giving ten percent to this this uh, organization, and then I and then I got even more. So just trusting that. Mm, okay, but I wouldn't say blindly. I wouldn't say <laughs> no. blindly because I had a client whose mother received a, a million dollar settlement, and she was so uncomfortable receiving the million dollar settlement uh, for her husband's death related to black lung. She felt so guilty about having the million dollars. She just handed it over to the church. Mm-hmm. It said, oh, let them deal with it. Now, she gave away the whole million dollars. And just because I don't want the pressure, I don't want my neighbors talking. Instead of, well, let me see how to do this. Maybe I should keep some of it to take care of my health bills and some other things. And then let me give a portion. So she just, it felt like much more uh, impulsive mm-hmm. and not really grounded in solid decision making. Okay. So is that when people you know, do that, when they push away resources, is that... Um, because they don't know or they don't have uh, resources of where to turn. You know, if they knew, if she knew, hey, I should call Bob Wheeler and ask him right. what I should do. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I, I mean, it starts with it's beyond their comfort level, right? It's all of a sudden, oh, this isn't what I'm used to. Like, we're all used to having a certain amount of money in our bank account. Oh, good. It's not overdrawn. I'm comfortable. Oh, I've got 10,000. I'm comfortable. Like, we all have these levels of comfort. And so that's the first point of, oh my God, I have a million dollars. I'm uncomfortable. Let me get back to comfort. And then second of all, not knowing how to reach out or knowing that it's okay to reach out. And I think for a lot of people, there's a fear of asking for support or asking for help. And that's, you'll see sometimes when lottery winners 
when they're big number, you don't hear about them for months because they're meeting with a financial advisor. They're talking to all these people because they want to be prepared for the onslaught that's going to come mm-hmm. when it gets announced that they just won $50 million. And, and so most people aren't equipped for that and are afraid to ask for help or resource. Mm. Or And then they tend to, when those requests, hey, you just won the lottery, hey, give to this and that, they're because they don't have the knowledge base, they're more inclined to make uh, less than optimal financial decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I had a family member that won the lottery three times, won a million dollars three times. She said it was the worst thing that ever happened to her (laughs) (laughs) because you don't get a million dollars. You know, you probably get about 60% of that. And then everybody was coming out of the woodwork figuring she's got a million bucks. So everybody's asking her for money. She was spending money that she didn't have. And she ended up filing bankruptcy each time that she won. Oh, my. <laughs> she said she, it would have been better if she'd never won. Mm. She just didn't have the resource. Okay. All right. Now, speaking of resources, Bob, mm-hmm. you are a wealth of information of all things financial. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. People can reach me at themoneynerve.com. And I always, it's not nerd. I might be a money nerd, but it's the money nerve. And they can go to our website. We have a lot of resources. We have blogging. We have blogs. We've got, uh, I have an online course, Mastering the Emotions of Money, that walks you through a 12-week program of daily exercise and reflection. Um, I've got the book and and just a lot of different stories. And um, I have guests and and people talking about money. So people can reach out to me, bob at themoneynerve.com. And I've got a great team of people and we respond. And really, we're a resource to help people uh, have the fullest life that they want to live. Mm, Okay, well, we will include all of that information in the show notes. And as we wrap up, any words of advice to those listening who are really on the uh, trying to, I guess, calm the money nerve? Yeah, absolutely. I would just say, don't look at the whole picture all at once, because that can be overwhelming. Like take a breath, work on things in baby steps. If you've, if you're in debt, if you're financially uh, unstable, Pick one or two things, work on those, and then expand. And, and exponentially, it'll just start to move quicker. But if you try and take it all on at once, it's it's often a big overwhelm and then a shutdown. So take lots of breaths, take baby steps, and, and work on it incrementally and find people that can be your support team that you can go to that can hold you accountable and help you to just keep telling you that you can do it. Like have those little side share leaders. Mm, fantastic. I love that. And hopefully you could be one of those science chair leaders for them or, or for Absolutely. Others. I'm cheering. I'm always cheering for everybody to have success and gratitude. So sure. Well, wonderful. Bob, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. We're talking about all things finance. And we look forward to to many more of your experiences in in helping so many people. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It's been so great. And I I appreciate that you're providing this platform so people can get information and do things differently. 